say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and you know what? It's the Revenge Show. <laughs> yes, you know what I'm talking about. I am talking about the revenge of dealing with people you can't stand. This is the revenge show. See, this is something that Dr. Rick Brinkman, this, you know, we were, we were joking around with it, and he said, you know what, we ought to do the revenge show. And then somebody said, oh, I heard you guys talk about the revenge show. We should do the revenge show. And I went, yes, <laughs> we're going to do the revenge show. So that's what we're doing. We're doing the revenge show. It's going to be fantastic. We have Dr. Rick Brinkman back with us, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to work through some of these people that you have seen. You may even be one of them. You may be all of them at one time or another. I'm telling you, you could be the grenade. You could be the sniper. You could be the martyr. You could be, you could be the know-it-all. You could be, I think I know it all. You know who you are because you think you know it all. I know you do. I know you do. I know. I know. And Dr. Rick's going to talk about that as well. But before we do that, let's do what we do every week. And you know what that is? I check in with you in the four areas of your life. Look, here's the deal. I believe we're four-part people. We're physical people, mental people, emotional people, and we're spiritual people. And, you know, we're living in a very odd and unique time in our lives. And one of the things about living in this time in our life is, you know, what do you do with yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Because you actually have control over those things. So sometimes what happens is when we are beset with all sorts of circumstances, we have a tendency to believe that we are out of control. And that we can't control uh, the circumstances that are around us. And that's just simply not true. You know, the truth is that you have a lot of decisions that you can make in controlling what you can't control. Now, listen, it's not like you control everything, but let's talk about these four areas of things you can control, right? First area is the physical area. You can control a lot of what you're doing physically. You could stop sitting on the couch and get up and walk. Seriously, do you know my neighbor, my neighbor lady, I think she, she's older, do you know what she did? She just decided to walk around her house. She did laps around her house. It's kind of hilly, and that's what she did. She decided, she said to me, she said, you know what, I'm tired. I, I should not be sitting around, and, and I just need to get out. And so she said, every day I'm going to do my laps, and so she does her laps. My, my other neighbors, just, they, walk, they, walk the, they walk the neighborhood. It's a half-mile circle. And so they walk our little neighborhood in a half mile. Folks, there's just a lot of things that you can do to enhance yourself physically. You can put down the fork. You can get your hand out of the potato chips. You can stop drinking the soda. There are so many decisions that you can make that can improve yourself physically. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 outstanding, how are you doing physically? And then what are you going to do to change it? That's really the key, right? Because that's, that's what I want you to do. All right? That's the physical. The, the, the mental area is the same way. Look, you could be a couch potato and just veg in front of a TV. All right? Can I tell you how much that's going to help in you mentally? Zero. Nada. Nothing. I can't just sitting there vegging in front of a TV and letting the TV tell you what to do is not the same as picking up a book, opening the book, See, I highlighted it. Reading the book 
and consuming the information in the book and thinking about it and going, hmm, what does that mean? How does that apply to me? How does that apply to everybody else in my life? How does that how does that help me? How does that make me more wise? How does that make me more knowledgeable? How does that give me more understanding into the things that I do or want to do? See the difference? The difference between just letting something come at you versus actively participating in something like a book? It's pretty powerful. But folks, that's the, that's the mental part. So you have a decision. You can choose. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing mentally with that? Right? And then what are you going to do about it? All right, then the third area, emotionally. A lot of people will say, oh, Oh well, my emotions. You know, I can't. I can't help it. If they're my emotions, I can't help my emotions. Whoa, 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 whoa! Stop. All right, because Dr. Rick's going to talk about it. I've talked about this ad nauseum. The truth of the matter is, <clears throat> you can choose your emotions. Not saying it's easy, but you can choose to feel different now. You do not have to feel. The way you feel. You could, I can, I can, listen, I say this to, I've said this to my intro to psychology classes. Here's what I've told them. I said, here's the deal. You kick me in the shin as hard as you want. Kick me as hard as you want. What's my response? Some of them will say, oh, you're going to cry. Some of them say, oh, you're, you're going to be angry. Some say, oh, you're, you're going to hit me back. You know what? Hmm. Actually, all those things are a possibility. It just depends what I choose. Because I could laugh at you. I could actually I could actually sit in the corner. I could actually walk away. I can actually do a whole bunch of things in response to that. Because I can choose that emotion. It's not always easy, but we can choose it. And that's that's really the ultimate point of it, right? Is that you have that choice. And here's the other thing, and Dr. Rick's going to talk about this later too, is that you know how we choose to relate to others is also our choice. How I choose to interpret somebody else's emotion, how I choose to decide if I really want to understand that person and really want to develop a relationship with that person emotionally, that's a choice. How far do I want to go with that person emotionally? That's a choice. Right? And so when it, on the scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing emotionally really? Both being able to control your emotions and also being able to really tap into the emotions of other people. All right, and then finally we have the spiritual area. A lot of people give me a lot of grief on the spiritual area. Listen, here's the deal. If you remove the physical, the mental, and the emotional, what's left? That to me is the spiritual area, right? There's something, there's something inside each one of us. If you really, really test it hard. You know that there's some things that you just can't explain emotionally, mentally, or physically. That sometimes there can be this piece of music that touches you in a level that you can't even describe. It's so deep. Sometimes it's something that hits you. You know it's not emotional, but it's it it can it can hits you in a it hits you in a way that maybe gives you a sense of peace or a sense of joy or a sense of contentment that you can't explain. Sometimes we enter into things like meditation or prayer or we talk to nature, we talk to God in a way that settles us down. The question I have for you is how's it working for you? And what do you need to do to change it? On a scale of 1 to 10, how's it working? And then what do you need to do to change it? 
right? By the way, those four, those four areas are legs of a chair, right? Chairs uneven, man, your posture is going to be, if you sit in that chair too long, right? You stay in those uneven four areas too long, guess what? Just like your posture is going to be bad, so your life is not going to, is not going to be working right either. And by the same token, if all four of those areas are too low, you know what's going to happen? Well, you have similar types of issues, and you know what those issues are? Well, the fact of the matter is if it's too low, you can't actually eat at the table because you're going to look like the little kid at the little kid's table on Thanksgiving, right? So those are the, those are the four areas of, of our lives that we wanted, that we'd talk about. And, and you know, uh, I know this for sure, that my friend, uh, Dr. Rick Brinkman, uh, I, I saw him actually smiling uh, when I was doing this because he's, he's on the other end. And we're doing, this, we're doing the show in a little bit different way. Uh, we, we, we're not doing it in our normal way. We're doing it in kind of a, uh, a taped, uh, way and it's, and we're having some fun. So I've never really done this where I've actually seen my guest face to face like this. So, uh, we're going to have a little fun, but let me introduce him to you real quick because he's really a special guy and I really do consider him my friend and, um, I, I've come to love him dearly. I really have. His name is Dr. Rick Brinkman, Brinkman and he's best known. For his conscious communication expertise, conveying to millions of people via keynotes and trainings, radio, TV, print interviews, numerous award-winning books, videos, audio, programming. Dr. Brinkman has been touring nationally and internationally for a long time. <laughs> I'm not even to give you the first year it started, but it's been a long time. And he shares his human behavior insights and practical communication strategies in, in really his trademark entertaining and educational style. And you really will... Um, hear his sense of humor because he's got a great sense of humor. He is, earned his doctorate in uh, naturopathic medicine from uh, National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Oregon. Um, hello, my friends of Portland. Uh, he also uh, followed his residency in obstetrics and psychology. And uh, he opened up a practice in mind-body. He has written and co-authored uh, several best-selling books including this one uh, in its third edition, Dealing with People You Can't Stand. Um, and we're also going to do another book that he's got, you know, how we're going to do a book on meetings that I have that he's done that is absolutely brilliant, um, dealing with the meetings that you can't stand. So we're going to be doing that too. He's received numerous awards, including the Funniest Speaker of the Year by the Sales Forum and the Institute for Management Studies and Distinguished Faculty Award. Uh, he is absolutely one of the top ten uh, best, it's one of the top 10 best-selling books in Columbia House. Uh, he's won several, several awards, as I said before. And by the way, he's just an outstanding speaker, and he's a great friend. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A New Direction. And welcome back, Dr. Rick Brinkman. Doc, oh, well, thank you, Jay. How are you? Thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> you, I'm you, doing good. Good. Oh, I, it's so staying good. home. <laughs> Stay, thing. Staying home. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. Staying home like like the rest Some of us. virtual seminars for the first time and really set up my studio to broadcast. It's really oh. fun to to, uh, to broadcast virtually. Very cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's when I say broadcast virtually, so there's a stage area. People can see me from the waist right. up. They can see the slides and, and such. And, yeah, so you and can we be, can do some breakout sessions, Q&A. Yeah, well, as long as, you know, you didn't break out of your underwear, that's all good then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So we we had a really good time. You and I had a really, really good time with this book last yeah. time we were together. And so <clears throat> I wanted to revisit this. Because I did have several people who said, listen, can we get into 
the types of people, who they are, how do we recognize them, you know, why do why are they the way they are, and then how do we deal with them? So I thought maybe we could go ahead and we could just go through the top ten, because um, you actually talked about the ten, top ten plus three, but I want to go through the top ten because these are really, really important. We touched on a couple of these, but I don't think it's going to hurt to talk about um, who these people are that we can't stand or the people that we have difficulties dealing, dealing with. So I'm just going to lead this off. Let's talk about the tank, right? Who, okay. What is, who is this tank? What do they look like? Um, how, how would we know if we've ever seen one? Well, they're going to run right over you. A tank attack is a direct attack. It could be personal, but don't worry. It's nothing personal. You're just in the way of an end result, so you have to be eliminated. They're in a total get-it-done mode. It's not about people or relationships. That's irrelevant to them, which is why they can be so ruthless. And uh, it's just about making something happen. And if somebody goes tank, they're perceiving a situation as probably out of control or taking too long or going down unnecessary tangents. You know, it's even like at a meeting, if somebody's on a long-winded explanation, a tank group might easily interrupt them and go, look, what's the bottom line? Can we just move forward here? We've got other things to do. So uh, that all, that's all uh, tank attack. It's not, it's not being controlled for the sake of control. It's about making something happen. So does the, the, the tank, I guess thinking about the turret of a tank, it's, it's really directed at somebody. Yes. Particular. Yes. And that might not be an ongoing thing. It could be somebody who's not you know, normally in their sights, but is being too long-winded at a meeting. So suddenly they get a, attacked. It's uh, it's uh, nothing personal, really, with a tank attack. It's just you're in the way of an end result, so you have to be eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> so, so were you were you feeling a little tank like as I was droning on and on about the four areas of people's life? Were you starting to feel the tank? No, I was I was more in the get it right. I appreciated how <laughs> meticulous you, you were being about those areas, and also the chair. I've used that uh, analogy before too. It's all about balance. So, I wasn't in a get it done mode. I was just totally reveling in get it right. Good job. <laughs> So when it when it comes to the tank, how do we deal with them? What what do we what do we do deal with them? Assertive people like assertive people. You got to meet them where they are. You know, you don't necessarily have to be aggressive. Although tank to tank warfare is an option, you think you can be a better tank. You say, <laughs> make my day. But, that, uh, but, but what you definitely do not want to do is be passive, uh, because somebody is wimpy or passive is not going to get something done. I don't remember if I told the story uh, on our last interview, but I was the second line in a lost luggage claim in the airport. The guy in front of me is tanking the person at the counter as if she purposely mislabeled his bags and sent them to El Salvador. Suddenly she puts her pen down. She looks him right in the eye. She goes, sir, 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 I get this is very inconvenient for you. I get you think we're idiots. However, there are only two people at this counter who care about recovering your luggage, and one of those is quickly losing interest. <laughs> And he said, what do you need to know? <laughs> now, she, she wasn't aggressive like he was, right. but she was direct and to the point. Here's the bottom line of the situation. Here's right. what's going on. And he got it. No problemo. He just, right. he got it. And then usually when you stand up to a tank in a program manner, they come up to you afterwards and go, hey, I didn't know you had it in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't know I had it in you. <laughs> <laughs> This is the pro 
proverbial high school bully you stand up to and then becomes your best friend. <laughs> it's so true. I, I've known, I, I, I know some tanks and people can get very intimidated by tanks and they just respect you like just hanging in there. They, they, yeah. you, know, you sit there and you take all the shelling that you can and you won't leave. And then yeah. you, you come back, are you done? Is that all you got? Uh-huh. Do you got a little more? Because yeah. if you got a little more, I'm, I'm still here. You know, they have a total uh-huh. respect for that. They just, they really, yes. really do. Um, yes. You know, I would say, I remember I, would, I did a seminar for a banking group and on a break, one person came up to me and she told me about a story. Her last job, she was in a company that was, uh, had a hostile takeover. She mentioned the new, uh, the new president who I recognize his name. He's known as a total hatchet man. I don't remember right now, but, uh, Half the company was being laid off. She was hoping to be part of that half. He got a good severance package. But she was part of the half that was kept. And to make matters worse, the new president made her his executive assistant. So she had an evil plan. She was going to get laid off. So she would talk back to him. She would tell him what she thought of his decisions. She would tell him what people were saying behind his, his back. Never got laid off. Finally, the company is shutting down. Uh, and wrapping things up, <clears throat> and she comes out and says, look, I don't understand. I've been telling you what I think of you, telling you what you think of your decision, what people say about you. I'm trying to get, I was trying to get laid off here. How come you never laid me off? He goes, are you kidding? You're the last person I'd lay off. That's how I knew what was going on around here. In fact, would you please come with me to my next job and be my assistant? How funny. That's awesome. We're talking with Dr. Rick, yeah. Dr. Rick Brinkman, uh, author, co-author. I need it because Dr. Rick Kirshner uh, also co-wrote this book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand. Uh, it's available at Amazon uh, bookstores near you. Uh, also available on Audible. I actually downloaded the Audible version. Uh, listen, on the, I've, listen, I've read this book a couple times and have taken notes on it, but I'm still listening to the book again. I, I just enjoy it. I've got to be honest with you. It's one of those books I just enjoy, and I, and I, I have to keep learning um, because I'm going to talk about the, per, the person that seems pretty close to the tank, but they're different, and that's the grenade, right? Mm, the, cause the, because yep. yeah, the grenade is the, – the, I think people can get the grenade and the tank confused because the tank, right, is, is really focused, but the grenade not, the grenade not so much, right? No, they're both intense. They have this intensity. They could be loud. They could be yelling. That's what they have in common. But when the tank is attacking, you know what it's about. Mm. Now, you may disagree with their perception of it and what they're doing, but you know what it's about. The grenade is the tantrum. A couple of things come out, and suddenly it's the government's fault, and that's a problem with the world today, and nobody really cares about anything. And, like, what's that got to do with the subject of the meeting? Because it's nothing. It's everything. It's the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. Everything they have stored up goes blah. Uh, so within um, – they both have that intensity, but really, as I said, tank attack is a demand for action. A grenade tantrum is a demand for attention. At that person, that person needs mm. attention. It's a little bit more people-oriented. It's certainly not result-oriented because somebody who throws a tantrum in the middle of a meeting or one-on-one, it generally disrupts everything. You're not going anywhere right. where you were probably going before. So that's what you have to sort out there. And with the grenade, you just have to put out the fire, really. Well, God, I don't want you to feel this way. You don't have to feel this way. It's a misunderstanding. You meet them by raising your volume. Uh, if you're face-to-face, you wave your, your hands because grenade very often is looking away. And then you bring them in for a landing. I don't want you to feel this way. You don't have to feel this way. You take a deep breath yourself. Let's just take a minute, and then maybe we can 
talk about it. So you're, uh, it's, it, you're blending lets you redirect. It lets you redirect and lead people to a different thing. So you meet them where they are with your volume and saying the words they need to hear. I don't want you to feel this way. But then you're bringing your volume down. You're taking a few deep breaths. You're relaxing your tone. You're coming in for a land, and they go, time out, let's get a drink of water, and then let's get back and talk about it. You want to give them a moment to compose yeah. themselves. Yeah. And very typical in customer service on the phone, somebody gets a grenade on the phone, they got to put them on hold, they pass them to the next person in the organization, next person gets a nice, normal human being. Because while that grenade is on hold, they go, okay, and they pull themselves together. Uh, grenade is not a tactic. A tank attack is a tactic to make something happen. A grenade is just like lost their cookies temporarily. <laughs> I could be a grenade. I can, I can be a grenade. I can be such a grenade sometimes where I just get annoyed and it has, uh -huh. it has nothing to do with anything. I just feel annoyed and I can actually feel it when it's happening. And, uh, getting pushed from one person to another in customer service departments. And I can feel it, right? I can actually mm -hmm. feel it. And you're feeling guilty, by the way. You have a sense of guilt oh, yes. while it's going on. You they, have, yeah, because usually they withdraw and be quiet for, they become a nothing person afterwards because they withdraw and they feel bad about what they've done. Oh, yeah. Oh, the guilt. Oh, my gosh. I can, I can, mm -hmm. I can feel the guilt. Doc, I mean, I, I can feel my own guilt happening. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> it, it's and it's really true. And then you then you got to go. You got to beg for forgiveness because you're like, oh no, you feel like mm -hmm. you, you got to go to a confessional and and you got to go. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. But trust me, I've it's, uh, it's, yeah. I've done it. I'm, you don't get apologies from a tank at all. No, you never get an apology. <laughs> no, it's just the way they are. It's just, it's just yeah, but that's because grenade is people-oriented. Right. Tank is task-oriented. Mm, love that. We're talking with Dr. Rick Brinkman, uh, co-author of the book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand. The Revenge Show is what we're doing uh, today. <laughs> and uh, you're listening to him here um, on A New Direction. Hey, you know, New Direction has two sponsors, and we are really proud to have them. One is Epic Physical Therapy, and they're my physical therapists, and I – I got to tell you, I've had multiple shoulder uh, surgeries and knee surgeries, and they have been able to get me to become back in the gym and lifting at a high level and doing the things that I enjoy doing. And so I, I highly recommend them just simply because of the results at the end of the day. But whether you're covering, recovering from an injury or a surgery or whether you're suffering everyday aches and pains or maybe you're just having difficulty performing activities of daily life, uh, maybe you're an athlete. Maybe you're even a, a pro athlete who just is not getting to the place where you need to be. Look, the elite team at Physi Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored for your individual needs. Whether With their experience in rehabbing young athletes to elite professionals, they really do understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or injuries. So, if you're looking for epic relief, epic recovery, but ultimately epic results, you don't have to take it from me. Why not just check out epicphysicaltherapy.com? Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, for 35 years, they have been helping people all over the world uh, match up with the right professional. Um, whether that is to buy a home or sell a home. And they're located in the Research Triangle Park 
of North Carolina, and they have helped so many people relocate in and out of the Research Triangle Park, where we have over 340 different major corporations right here. And so they can help you, and they would love to do it because their clients call them the legends of customer service because their customer service has been legendary. And the reason why the clients call them that is because they believe still to this day, 35 years later, developing one relationship at a time. That's really what they do. Uh, they believe that it's not about a house. It's about the people in the house. And so they want to get to know you. They want to get to know you, what your needs are, what your dreams are, and how they can best fulfill those. And ultimately, you're the person, not an address. It's where memories are going to be made, and those memories are going to last a whole lot longer than that house ever will. And that's Linda and her team's philosophy, and it's been that way since 1985, and it continues to be that way. So if you're ready to meet your professional and meet with a team that really is the, the really are the legends of customer service, then why not contact Linda Kraft and her team at lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Dr. Rick Brinkman, uh, co-author of the book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand. And this is the Revenge Show. <laughs> and, we're, <laughs> and we're talking about people that uh, we can't stand. And you may be one of those people that you can't stand because sometimes I can't stand myself because I know what that's like to be a person that you can't stand. So we're, we're working our way through some of these people. So uh, let's move on to the sniper. Uh, let, who is the sniper? What does the sniper look like? Uh, what do we need to – because sniper sounds a little ominous, ominous to me. I mean, the yeah. ominous to me. Well, let me see if I could lower my IQ so I could have a meaningful dialogue with you. <laughs> oh, Jay, don't get all emotional. Can't you take a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you should sue your brains for non-support. Just kidding. I got a great idea. Let's play horse. I'll be the head. You just be yourself. <laughs> and Henny Youngman, ladies and gentlemen. Henny Youngman. <laughs> so that's sniping. Now, sniping can be friendly teasing between uh, actual right. friends. There's no ill thing. It's just a little put-down humor. Or it could be friendly gossip. Hey, did you hear this? It's not that we're trying to hurt the person we're gossiping about. It's just about making connection. It's people-oriented, friendly sniping. Malicious sniping has some kind of suppressed anger or resentment uh, going on. And if it's pretty much aimed at you more than other people, then they probably have some issue with you. Maybe you got the promotion they think they should have gotten, maybe what happened on that project, whatever. On the other hand, some people are equal opportunity snipers. They snipe to, at everybody, in which case it's not probably specific about that person, but it's more about uh, their suppressed uh, stress, anger, whatever they've got going on in general, their life that's suppressed, and it comes out as sniping. The bottom line with all sniping is sniping, a sniper can't snipe if there's no place to hide. You have to bring them out of hiding. Mm. How do we do that? How do we get that? How do, well, we, how, uh, do we how do we shine a light take, on the sniper? 
Okay. So let's say it's a friendly, they're a little easier, and I have to find this, because I grew up in New York City, where if you want to, uh, which is the zenith of put-down humor, and if you want to show a friend affection, you say, I'm going to break your legs off, beat your head up to the bloody pub and throw away the limbs. <laughs> and he knows he's my best buddy. So even though teasing and that is everywhere, it's not like it is in New York, and right. it was really with my future co-author and very best friend Rick when we were in school together uh, that I discovered that he didn't quite feel the same way about friendly sniping uh, as I did and he really couldn't keep up at the level that I did and so one time he got honest with me and I realized that oh my gosh this, you know how it happened we were at a conference on studying communication uh, the, t the trainer was from New York on a break he and I did a whole New York bonding thing all right oh, we, if we met each other in the streets in New York we wouldn't give a crap about each other right. but if we're in California all right we're in New York right, 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 California. Right. so we bought we did this whole bonding thing and he says all right you guys when you're up there in Oregon yeah here's my phone number if you have a problem with a patient you got a question you call me up but if you give this to anybody else I'm gonna hunt you down break your legs off beat your head up to the bloody problem Troy <laughs> Okay, so we walk away from that, and I, I look at Rick, and he looks a little ill. And I go, Rick, are you okay? And he goes, no, I'm not okay. Todd said if, if he's going to hunt us down and kill us. If What if somebody calls him? He thinks we gave him the number. I'm like, what are you, stupid? That means he likes us. <laughs> and that's how I got revealed to me that everybody did not feel the same about that. Okay, so... Yeah, so that's the first thing. You just got to bring it to people's attention because they care about you. Right. The malicious sniping, you do a stop, look, and backtrack. So let's say we're mm. in the meeting. I'm in the middle of saying something. Somebody makes a comment. I would stop right in the middle of a word. <laughs> Slowly I turn. <laughs> Take a breath to calm myself. I don't have to think of what to say. The sniper told me what to say. I just backtrack what, he's, what the sniper said to me. I heard you say a high-fiber diet would bring out the best in me. Mm. What's going on? Now, innocence is the key. you got to do a Gandhi with them. you got to resist the slippery slope to mm. become a sniper back. Oh, yeah, well, maybe you should sue your brains for non-support. Mm. It's, it's, you're just innocent. Now, the sniper has three choices. They can snipe again, in which case you ask again. They can come out of hiding, become a tank, and blast you, in mm. which case that's good. The tank is actually the most honest behavior in the lens of understanding, right. and now you do tank strategy with them. Or the, the, uh, the sniper will withdraw and become a nothing person, and you go, okay, then I what I was saying. In that case, however, you have a next step where you have to follow up with them and try to clear the air, because if they've got an issue with you and you can clear the air, uh, then the the source of the sniping is removed. Mm. And air gets clear by understanding. And understanding does not mean you agree with people, disagree, or can do anything or change anything. It's just the willingness to put yourself in their shoes, understand how that was for them. Oh, they, they were hoping for that promotion. They didn't got it, get it. Ah, oh, yeah, that's too bad. Doesn't mean you can change anything. Right. But that's ultimately how you clear the air with sniping. I love it. Sniper, we're talking with uh, Dr. Rick Brinkman, co-author of the book, uh, Dealing with People. You can't stand uh, the Revenge Show, uh, is what we're doing, uh, and we've we've gotten through three of these. Let's get through. Let's go through. I, I love because these two comparisons are my next two comparisons. I like to compare. You, I think you know where I'm going. So the first one is the know it all. Right? Oh, the know it all, right? I'm about the, to say I didn't know where you were going, but I can get it now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say they think they know it all. I said the know it all. <laughs> so, so the know it all. Let's talk about the know it all here, because 
I, I, this person may actually get kind of a bad rap for being truly a know-it-all, right? Right, right. Now, the fact that somebody knows a lot does not mean they're a know-it-all, although in general people who become know-it-alls do know a lot, but that is not the <laughs> defining characteristic that's a problem. It's the unwillingness to hear what others have to say. That's, mm. that's the know-it-all that's in the danger zone of right. our book. And they can control through knowledge because they really do know a lot. So they can dominate a meeting. They can take us down tangents that aren't really unnecessary. Uh, and so with a know-it-all, true know-it-all, the know-it-all's got to know that you know how much they know. <laughs> Any respect you show to their knowledge uh, drops their defenses. You're not showing up as a bogey on their radar. So, you know, obviously you're well read. You've done a lot of research in this thing. In fact, you have a graduate degree in this. I know you've been here at this company a long time. Those kind of statements drop their defenses so you don't seem threatening. Because mm -hmm. both of those have is ego. There's ego on the surface with know-it-all behavior and think-they-know-it-all mm -hmm. behavior. So uh, then you have to understand why do they think what they think, and you ask a lot of questions. And whenever you're asking questions – it shows you care to understand, and understanding is one of the most powerful blending things you could ever do is have somebody feel understood. And what you're going to seek is their criteria. The, what are the reasons the know-it-all believes their ideas of gift from God? What are the reasons they're sure other people's inferior ideas will not work? And you, the beauty of dealing with the know-it-all is they're not in a hurry, unlike a tank. Okay, you, you wouldn't want to start questioning a tank. But with a know-it-all, they're happy to answer your questions from now till the cows come home. Mm. And so what you want to do then is you get down to things. Now, use a visual device, something that they could see. It could be a whiteboard in the room, a flip chart, a yellow pad. You turn towards them, something they see. And as you reveal their important criteria, start listing them on that visual device. Uh, visual devices are important. You know there's two signals you need a visual device. One is if you need to have something remain over time. So stepping out of this, uh, I had a couple. There was an ex-couple. They were at each other's throats over their kid. I met with each of them for an hour separately. Then I brought them together, and I said, okay, you guys, uh, I have to say, after talking with both of you for a couple hours, I find I'm really impressed with how much you guys agree with each other. It was funny to watch them. Mm. They both simultaneously went... <laughs> <laughs> they were mirroring each other like bookends. Literally, I, t I got them to now agree that I'm crazy. I said, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you want your child to be traumatized? Do you want your child to develop emotional problems? Do you want your child to, to learn this pattern of communication so they can have it someday with their spouse? Then I got up and I walked over to my whiteboard and in giant letters I wrote, so we're here in the best interest of David. And I wrote mm. best interest of David on that whiteboard, big letters, because I wanted that in our consciousness throughout the whole visit. Mm. That's what I mean by remaining over time. Mm. But the other part of visual is you can see a totality of factors, you know. Well, because they were arguing, well, who, should he have another a room at my house as well mm. as yours? Should he have a thing? So if you start putting those factors visually, now you see the big picture. You see all the factors, mm. and it's much easier than to add other factors. If you just leave it on an auditory level, you're bouncing factors off one, another, one, another. But if two people are discussing something and you make the points they're making visual, usually that creates what I call holographic thinking. Now, if you, you know, you have two eyes to see from two points of view. They're different. Imagine your eyes arguing whose point of view is correct. That's absurd. They're both correct. They're both different. And what your brain does, it synthesizes two slightly different points of view, and now you can perceive depth. That's why we have depth perception. Same thing with your ears. Your ears, time, time in milliseconds, the difference of sound comes from one side to the other, and that's why you know where it's coming from. Well, what I find is, uh, and this is 
would know it all for sure, but it's true in any group of people, especially in a meeting. If you get everybody's factors and you make them visual, all of a sudden you're seeing all the, all the points of view simultaneously. And I and people tend to arrive at what I call holographic thinking, where they start encompassing many factors and coming up with better solutions. So do, if you do that with a know-it-all a bunch of times, they know that you know how much they know. They see that you know what they're talking about, and they elevate you to equal know-it-all status, and then it becomes easy to communicate to them. I, you, listen, I think the know-it-all is one of the hardest to deal with. I, I really do because you, you have got to convince them that you actually have something worth saying, and you have got to set that up and do your homework you can't. You cannot walk into dealing with a know-it-all by shooting from your hip. You, you just you can't. That's for sure. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you do you do not have the firepower uh, just shooting from mm-hmm. your hip to counter a a know-it-all. And th- I think that's I think the, and and listen, I have a few know-it-alls in my life, and you you just have to be really well prepared. You just got to be so yeah. well prepared, and you got to you, you know what you can, listen. They respect numbers, they respect facts, they respect the wor- certain words like, well, according to such and such, the research that they yes. did, you know, they mm-hmm. really seem to all of a sudden their ears perk up, going, oh, well, you've done mm-hmm. some work. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. You know, now I don't know how much, I, and I know one of my favorite phrases, and I think you use this in the book. I think maybe I got it from your book, and now it's, it's incorporated in my brain. Is um, is the phrase I think is something like, um, I don't know if you had a chance to read the research by so and so, but um, mm-hmm. I know it's I know it can run a little counter to what you've stated previously, and it kind of lets them off the hook, but it also, mm-hmm. at, but at the same time, what it does is it goes. Oh, there's maybe something out there that's counterpoint to your belief system, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I I think that's I've, I've found that to be pretty effective uh, phrasing to you know yes. to because they want to be respected for their knowledge. Yes, yes, definitely, and that's definitely something you'll do with think they know it all. Uh, perhaps you haven't read, perhaps you haven't seen, uh, but we can we can talk to them about that in a moment. Well, let's. But that definitely is good. With a know-it-all, as well as I'm sure you're aware of, of course you've read, giving them yeah, the benefit yeah, yeah, yeah. of the doubt that they, right. that also is good with a know-it-all. Yeah, because yeah, well, yeah, because you, because as soon as you insult them and their intelligence, it's over. They yeah, they right. just shut you down. They they, they just will right. goes close you down. And if you deal mm-hmm. with them some emotional argument, they'll shut you down. They just don't have time for it. As well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about they think they know it all. So, sure. so how are they different? How are they similar? How do we deal with them? Well, they both have ego. Although I'd say think they know it all is ego gone mad. It's such a need for attention to be the center of attention. This is where narcissism will also come in uh, in its extreme. You know, this is where one-upsmanship happens. If you were sick, they were sicker. If you tell them about your vacation, they had a bigger vacation. If you tell them you had a big inauguration, they had a much bigger inauguration. It's this total ego need. So they... uh, when people are being think they know it alls, there's a, not a lot of depth to their knowledge. See, true know it all is a get it done, and it is uh, 
it's about making something happen, but they want to make sure it's done as it should be. Whereas Think They Know It All is not so much about focused on tasks. It's much more people-oriented. It's what everybody's going to think of them. That's the prime directive. Mm-hmm. And so this is why they could dominate a meeting and go on and on, even when they don't really know what they're talking about. And the, the only danger, really, is if the rest of the group doesn't know what they're talking about, whee, we're going over the cliff and into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> the sheeple would follow, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, they, right, because they just they just have just enough knowledge to be dangerous, right? Exactly. That's the word for it. And so you know, you you appreciate them. Well, thank you for sharing your knowledge. I appreciate you want us to come up with the perfect solution for the mm. situation. Uh, this is called projecting positive intent. Uh, you state things as if somebody's intentions has the best of intentions. Whether or not you believe that's true, you still state it that way. Mm. In fact, this is a very important uh, thing in communication because a lot of times we inadvertently um, negate positive intent. You know, when like think about any argument, oh, I only did that because of this. Oh, well, I, what I would meant is this. Everybody starts speaking on a level of intent, what their overall intent was, right. whereas in the argument that was all misunderstood. And I'm sure all your listeners have experienced meaning well doing something with the best of intentions and somebody doesn't take it that way and how bad that feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you say, I'm sure you want us to come up with the right system, thank you for sharing your knowledge with the group. You're, you're projecting positive in them and they go, well, thank you. Sure, this stops them in their tracks because they bask in the glory and then you say well so i'm just wondering about this and you would start innocently asking questions and what's going to happen is you're going to hit bottom really quick and now they're in a quandary you seem to know what you're talking about what are they going to do so you give them a way to go along with you so you say maybe you haven't read that yet maybe you haven't seen that oh no that's been in the latest issue i've been so busy i've let my subscription perspire <laughs> think they know what all is not attached to their idea they're attached to what people think so you you acknowledge them, and then you give them a way to go along with you. And uh, I'm often asked, why don't you just embarrass them in front of their peers, you know, and reveal them who they are? And my answer to that usually is, well, because then you might turn them into a sniper. And I think it's really better to deal with somebody who just has a swollen ego head than it is somebody who put a target on your back and is trying to cut you down. Man, could not. I could not agree with that more because snipers can be dangerous. His name is Dr. Rick Brinkman, and uh, his book he co-authored with Dr. Rick Kirshner is called Dealing with People You Can't Stand, and you're listening to The Revenge Show here on A New Direction. (laughs) Hey, folks, you know what? We've got a couple sponsors, and we are so grateful for their financial support of the show. And, you know, we... When we started this, we had no idea where where we were going with the show, and you know here we are, almost a hundred episodes later, doing the show and having such great uh, authors on the show, and you know out of nowhere, Epic Physical Therapy, uh, the facility supports us and offered to be one of our sponsors, and look, they are outstanding. I love them. They offer the most advanced, top of the line. They have. Top of the line equipment. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to call it cutting edge. I'm going to call it bleeding edge because that's what it really is. They have equipment like uh, the Alter G anti gravity treadmill, where literally you can run in this treadmill and it takes the pressure off your joints, uh, which would be awesome for people like me who have knee replacements and six knee surgeries. Um, and then there's the Normatec compression sleeves, which make you feel great. And then there's the Game Ready, which I love because they fill that thing with ice cold water and then the compression gets on your leg and it just takes all the swelling out of your body. Oh man, I love the Game Ready. That's just a few of the, th- mm-hmm. the few of the things that they have. And you know what? They're also And here's the best part. They're all trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available. 
And here's just a few of them that I've used that I love. One is called blood flow restriction therapy, which is really awesome. I love dry needling, uh, which you can think of it as kind of acupuncture, but it's not. But it's literally the dry needling is has just been awesome for pain reduction and swelling reduction. It's fantastic. And then cupping, if you've ever seen the swimmers on the Olympics with those circles on their back, um, they're actually it's actually cupping where they're using these like uh, cups to um, actually pull on the skin and pull on the muscle at the same time to kind of make them snap and relax. And it's just really, really cool. And I'm telling you, it works. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. So look, if you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, you know what? Why not go to epicpt.com? It's epicpt.com. And tell them that uh, you heard them on A New Direction. And then also our longtime sponsor, Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know, uh, they are independently owned and operated, and they do not belong to a national company. And for 35 years, Linda has been able to make relationships with people all over the world. And in so doing, making those relationships, she has learned who the best real estate professionals are all over the world. So regardless of where you live, she is not does not have to refer a specific company because she is her own company. And that gives her freedom to actually work with the best of the best. And so wherever you're at, if you are looking for a real estate professional, I would recommend that you start with Linda and ask her who she knows in your area because she is going to have an unbiased opinion because she's going to have worked with them and knows them, whether it's been through conferences or whether it's just through associations and in and, and previous associations. It's just she knows them, and she is going to be able to refer you to the best agent in your area. So if you're ready to buy your home or sell your home, I really recommend that you start with the Legends of Customer Service at Linda Craft and Team Realtors. And you can find you can find out about them and learn about what they do locally and internationally and nationally. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction uh, with uh, Dr. Rick Brinkman and uh, The Revenge Show. Oh, let me do that again. That, that wasn't for everyone. <laughs> the Revenge Show with Dr. Oh, yeah. Rick Brinkman dealing with people you can't stand. <laughs> oh, Dr. Rick, I am so, well done. I am so twisted, but that's okay. I don't mind. You know, you bring that, you're bringing that out of me. You know, I got to be honest yeah. with you because you're so much fun. And you have such a great sense of humor. And I understand why people love listening to you and watching you speak because you're high energetic, high energy. And, uh, you know, you have a great sense of humor. And I love that. And, and you know, I think humor is so important, probably dealing with all of these personalities or I don't know if they're personalities, but dealing with all these type of people is I think you got to also have a sense of humor about it because I, I think two things. One, these, we really are funny as human beings. First of all, yeah. and then the second thing, be, be, the second thing is, is because we're all quirky, we all are can be any one of these things at any given time, and you got to kind of laugh at yourself, and you kind of have to laugh at them for trying to pull the wool over our eyes because I mean you're kind of pulling back the curtain on all of this. Yes, and and yes. we're kind of saying, well, you know, we're actually kind of funny. That's <laughs> yeah, kind of funny. Right. So, uh, so uh, now that you're in agreement with me, let's talk about the yes person. Yeah. <laughs> 
Do you like my segue? Did you, did you like, did you like my segue? Those are good. All right, so who's the yes person? What do we need to know about them? How do we deal with them? Well, in, the, in our lens of understanding, they, they're more in a get they're in a get along mode, get along with people, so they're people focused, and uh, they're going to be less assertive, you know. So I, here's a yes person in action. When you and I are going to lunch, I say, "Where do you want to go?" You say, "I don't know." Where do you want to go? I say, "I don't know." Are you hungry? You say, "I don't know." Are you hungry? Now, do we really not know if we're hungry? We can figure it out. But what's going on in that moment is uh, we're putting our own needs aside to please someone else. Uh, and that's where that yes behavior comes in. Mm-hmm. People are going to be real agreeable on the surface because they want to please you. But ironically, it's the most dishonest behavior in the lens. You don't really know where they stand. Mm-hmm. In the same irony, the tank though most aggressive, is the most honest behavior. You know exactly where they stand, whereas with the yes person, you really don't know, and that's the problem. So then you could also get into passive-aggressive things where they're nice, friendly to your face, but then they sabotage or snipe behind the back. So they become a sniper behind the back. Mm-hmm. And and then it may be behavior from the same theme. This is usually when faced with a decision. You know, I'm, I'm, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and I'm sure that we've all had a time where we told the salesperson, I'll think about it. Were you really planning on thinking about it? No. Approval-oriented behavior. So mm-hmm. that's the issues with yes and, and maybe behavior. You don't know where they stand, and it can turn into uh, passive-aggressive. So the bottom line with them is you got to make it safe for them. you got to say, hey, listen, because um, yes, people can easily commit to things. You know, say, hey, can you do this by Thursday? Oh, yeah, sure. And then somebody else comes up, hey, need this Wednesday? Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, can you help me out? Oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it becomes totally unrealistic. So one thing is when it comes to a commitment, you never want to take yes for an answer. You want to go, great. So let's look at what's involved. This, this, this. How long do you think that will take you? What else you got going on your plate? I don't want you to take on too much. You're just being helpful and friendly. One person helping another. And then as they explore those details, they can see how long it's going to take, and you're going to get a more realistic commitment. In fact, sometimes you want to turn a yes person into a maybe person. Don't tell me now, all right? Here's what has to be done, but you're going to need information from that department. So talk to them first. When can they get you that? Look at your schedule, and then let's you and I touch base tomorrow, and you tell me what you think is realistic. Uh, That's a really good way to get a a realistic commitment from a yes person, is turn them into a temporary maybe person, but give them the instructions of what they need to figure out before they talk to you again. So, so, okay, help me understand the distinct, because maybe I don't understand, um, and you know where I'm going, Um, but what's the distinction between a yes and a maybe? Uh, it's really what's ha- what's on the surface. Are they, are you asking for a commitment? They're probably going to agree to that. And if you're asking for a decision, they're going to say, "I'll think about it." That's a maybe person. Versus, but their motivation is exactly the same. They don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and they're trying to be nice. Versus the yes person who's just going to be agreeable. Yeah, the yes person will be agreeable. They'll say they'll do it for you. They won't think it through. They don't uh, realize what. They don't really have time to do it. Right. They don't even go into any task calculations. You know, you ask somebody in the get it done mode, can you do this? They'll go, well, what's involved? And they're going to analyze it real quick, and they're going to look at their schedule, and then they're going to tell you what can and cannot happen. Right. But yes, people don't do any of that. Okay, so, all right, I I, I think I got the yes. The yes people kind of can agree to everything to the point where sometimes they've overcommitted to the point that they're no longer committed to anything. Would that be... 
Uh, well, yes, they're not really committed to action because they didn't think it through. So they're on the surface committed. They're not really following right, because, through on what they've. Right, because they or maybe they follow through and then they feel like they've done everything for uh, everybody, and then finally they break down, they become a martyr. For me, <laughs> I do everything for everybody. Nobody cares about me. Then they go. So yes, can you easily quickly evolve into a martyr behavior too? Yeah, but I guess from especially thinking, in a family relationship. Right. So what I'm, I guess what I'm thinking is on the yes person then. Because I am so agreeing to doing everything. So somebody asks me to do something, I say yes. And then this person asks me to do something, I say yes. And then this person asks me to do something, and I say yes. Ultimately, the chances of me getting any of it done are slim and none. Exactly. Right? Versus the maybe where I'm not actually saying yes to anybody. I'm just hoping that the decision kind of takes care of itself. Exactly. Right. Any decision you put off long enough gets made by default, but not their fault. Right. So it's almost like purposeful procrastination so I don't have to make yeah. that decision. Exactly. That's exactly uh, what it is. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think – I wonder if – I don't know in, in your research what you came across, but I'm, I'm interested if you did ever come across like, you know – did you find like there was more yeses and more maybes or it's pretty equal or did you run across anything like that, that that had a number or a percentage that you found more in the population where people who were maybe more yeses or maybes? I would say not. I don't know about the general population, but in certain situations, situational, mm. like many of us faced with a salesperson can become a maybe person. I'll think about it. Ask me later. Uh, uh, but I also have found, especially in a corporate culture, that can have a certain dynamic. Mm. Uh, I remember doing a seminar for a software company in the Seattle area, and um, what they realized when I presented the lens of understanding, that they had hiring practices essentially brought people who like, when they're at work, to really be get it right perfection and get along approval with each other. And that was a big aha for them. Aha, no wonder we're one big happy family. Get along. Aha, no wonder we're very meticulous about our work. Get it right. Then on the downside, they realized, aha, no wonder it's a major miracle to get a decision made in this company. Because everybody wants to study it in greater detail or wait for consensus. First break, some of these software engineers came up to me and started naming things that they created and did nothing with for a year. And then somebody else brought it to market. So... I would say it can be situational or it could be cultural with certain cultures. There's more of a hierarchy, you know, Indian, Japanese culture. So people are going to be much more agreeable, but you don't know where they stand. Right. Uh, but I couldn't make a generalization in the whole population. Got it. Got it. With Dr. Rick Brinkman, co-author of the book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand. Last two. I'm going to let you talk about these two. The nothing person, the no person, what are they like? How are they different? What do we do with them? Well, we really have a third one there, which is the whiner. I can't believe you left me out. You're talking about all the behaviors except for me, and nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. Um, <laughs> I don't want to. So, Stop it. I didn't mean to do it, Doc. I didn't mean uh, to forget the whiner. I just yeah, we're did. we a pity party. <laughs> so uh, whine and negativity are really uh, first cousins of each other. Whining is helpless, and negativity is hopeless. They've kind of uh, given up. Uh, nothing is completely withdrawn. Nothing, literally, you're getting nothing uh, from them. So we'll put them aside 
for last because they're not going to say anything about it anyway. So we can talk about whining and negativity. So starting with whining, um, uh, whining is a feeling of being helpless, you know? So if you want to experience a difference, your listeners, wherever you are now, go, he's making me do this. Now slump forward, put the weight of the world in your shoulders, crinkle up your forehead and say, he's making me do this. Okay, now feel how you'd feel in your body when you do that. Great. Now, fold up your arms, cock your head back, sit up really straight, like you get right up your back, uh, and say, forget it, or it's hopeless, or nothing ever changes. Now, you feel a difference between these two? They're first cousins. Again, crinkling slump again. And repeat after me, oh, the person who should be hearing this isn't. <laughs> now, sit up straight again, fold your arms, and state your motto. I'm not being negative, I'm being realistic. This is whining, this is negativity. This is helpless, but maybe if I annoy you, you'll do something. This is hopeless. They're in the same genus, but different species, and in a way, negativity is fossilized whining. So, really, the strategy for both begins with unfortunately listening to them. But when people are whining negative, they go in endless loop tapes. So what you do is you give them one good round and once they start repeating something, you interrupt and say, excuse me, interrupting. I just want to make sure I understand. Well, people always want to be understood. Right. So you're saying blah, 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 and you give a backtrack summary of what you heard so far. Then you roll up your sleeves and you start asking questions to get them to be specific because the problem with whining and negativity is it's in big generalizations and you cannot problem solve a generalization. We need specifics. So what's going to happen next is generalization swapping. You'll say, what's wrong? I say, everything's wrong. <laughs> okay, but what's specifically all of it? When does it occur? It happens all the time. Who's doing it? Everyone. And you've got to be ready for this because you don't want to bail out and offer a solution. Just keep asking questions, recycling questions, and if you stay with it, you will hit bottom and you'll suddenly be looking at some specifics of real problem. And at that point, you say, well, what do you think we should do? And a lot of people who are just whining will say, well, I guess we should. And they'll come up with something that makes total sense. Mm. Uh, the one who does not come up with something, uh, you might exaggerate. You know, if they see, you go, well, uh, uh, I remember I was talking to a surveyor. I said, how much will this cost? He said, oh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I said, $50, $5,000. He goes, oh, no, $500. That works very well in general, not just with whining and negativity, but whenever people are not being specific, if you exaggerate, it put, brings them into specific. If they say, I don't know, then what you do is you say, guess, make something up. If you did know, what would it be? And you give them the expect and look like this. And if you don't expect the power to expect them, look in on a crowded elevator, pick out a stranger at random and go... <laughs> they confess all kinds of funny things. Uh, and we all have a natural expectant look. It naturally happens after a question. I'm suggesting you turn up the dial about 15 more percent on your expectant look mm. and hold it in an expectant pause. And it's amazing. Nine out of ten people just said, I don't know. Go, well, I guess. And they bring in something that totally makes sense. And then once you have something that makes sense, now you – you got to get them involved in the solution because whining is helpless, negativity is hopeless. If you can give them a direct experience of not being helpless and hopeless, that's curing your whining and your, your negativity. So each interaction ends up with an action plan and a step to look forward to. So you're going to do this and this, and then we're going to meet on Friday and three. We're going to see what you, what you got. So that can take care of a lot of whining and a lot of negativity. 
but there's a highly virulent strain, and with they're just going to really be negative. And with them, you'll finally draw the line. And you say, okay, if you don't want to talk about uh, solutions, when you change your mind, just let me know, and you'd be clear this interaction is now over. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that you do that because uh, whining and negativity are the two greatest morale killers in any kind of group of people Mm. and what you have to put in perspective is the strategy I just told you will take you 20 minutes to get through and you're giving every chance to be constructive but you can't give them the opportunity to be destructive yeah yeah this is you're right because this is where um, this is where I think when it comes to companies uh, people are not paying attention to these people because these, these people will crush a culture they will, yes. they will absolutely kill a culture. I don't care what you have on your wall of what your, you know, that these are, you know, these are my, this, these are, this is our motto or our mantra or whatever. And these are our, this is what we stand for. If you have these people in your culture, they'll kill it. They will, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because we absolutely, it, it's, it's amazing how these people can absolutely control a culture. Do you realize that you and I have done this show for an hour? Uh, seems fast. It does seem fast, <laughs> no, but it's really, not really. It's, but we're having a good time. Time it, flies. It, really, having fun. It, it was. <laughs> it really has been an hour. And I, I do want to thank you for coming on again. Um, you oh, have been. You have been more than more than I could ever ask and hope for. Seriously, I, I, I am. Uh, I, I love you to death. I really, really, really do. I am so grateful for you, and I appreciate you. Um, and this book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand, please tell Dr. Rick uh, Kirshner that I appreciate his contribution and how good I think this book is. And, uh, and of course, I'll be pumping it out and pushing it out to folks again uh, because it's that good. Uh, you know the drill. I always ask the friends of the show at the end of the show if you could leave the people with a new direction. Uh, what would that new direction be? So Dr. Rick Brinkman, co-author of Dealing with People You Can't Stand on the Revenge Show, uh, what's the new direction that you would leave people with today? Well, I remember it's a Woody Allen quote. I'd like to leave you with a positive message, but I don't have one. So can I give you two negative messages? Matt, you just said that would come in handy, and here it is. <laughs> Two negatives to make a positive. That's, that's awesome. I appreciate your sense of humor. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. You know what I say to you, right? Be inspired, because when you're inspired, that means that you can inspire others, and in turn, that means that they can inspire others as well, and that can make this world a really amazing place. I'm going to be back next week with the Memorial Day show. Tom Satterley uh, is uh, he's a former special forces guy with the unit. We're doing a special show um, talking about him in Mogadishu. He was there during Black Hawk Down. It's going to be a very special Memorial Day show. I really recommend that you visit with uh, uh, Sergeant Tom. Uh, he's going to be fantastic. And uh, so you know what? Uh, we'll be back next week. Great show, great book. As I say to you every week, ciao, everybody. Time has come for a new direction Yeah, yeah New direction Yeah, yeah When you lost your confidence And the answers don't make sense you got to keep your hope alive you got
got to know you can survive This is your time to mine A new direction, a brand new day A new direction, things are gonna change You can find the strength to go a different way Your dreams will take you places you 